sorry, come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. So again, it's a shorter one. It's all of five verses, but Psalm, Psalm 100 is really is what it exactly says up there is the Psalm of Thanksgiving. Let's not argue with it. That's the title that was given to it. So, um, And really, the idea here is, is worship at his temple or tabernacle. Not sure exact the time frame here. There's a certain level of excitement here, isn't there? I mean, just read the first line. Make a joyful shout. Not make a joyful noise. It's make a joyful shout. Now, if we come to church on Sunday morning, shouting probably is not in the list of things that we're probably going to do, right? If we announce a hymn and say, we're going to shout this hymn. Not inappropriate or wrong, just not what we normally would do, right? Um, and it, it, but this type of excitement and joy and shouting was typical and in keeping with the festivals and feasts of Israel. Now, it continues there, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Some of you may have nations. Have the earth. Earth. Yeah, there's, there's a couple ideas there. So I'm going to ask a couple questions. It, it, it clearly says all you, and it seems to call to everybody, doesn't it? Now, how about when we get down to the end of verse 3? We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Is that everybody? To his people. So I guess we're going to start with the idea of is it's calling to all people. But there's a specific focus here of that it's Israel. That was his covenanted people. Even continuing into verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. If this was the tabernacle or the temple, who would have been allowed into those places? His people, Israel. So... That word that's translated either lands or earth, as Lori had, is the, is the Hebrew word aretz, which, if you know anything, it's not spelled the same way as stop in Spanish. Um, it's not spelled that same way, but uh, it has the idea of earth and land. There's a, fig, there's a guess for you right there, right? So it sounds like the translations we have between all of us are pretty good. So could it mean... The land of Israel. I'm, I'm throwing out a few theories. I don't have a set one here. I'm just going to throw you out some theories. Because um, there's no really other mention here in the five verses here of the nations. The only place we would get nations from is this first line of, of earth or lands or uh, nations. <laughs> Another aspect of this, aren't the nations called to recognize God for who he is? And if they do that, 
would they then become his people? Wouldn't we see that with Ruth or with Rahab? They came to recognize that. I don't know, and I didn't dig into this particularly, whether Ruth or Rahab would have been allowed into the courts of the temple. There was no court of the Gentiles at that point in, those, in their time. Obviously, in their time, there wouldn't have been a temple either. It would have been the tabernacle. Um, I would think, especially being female, they would have become one with the man who was Israelite, that they would have been seen as Israelites from that point. I don't know that. That's just my speculation on that. But either way, this would, this would, on that basis, they would have become Israel and then God's people. So this would have been a spiritual coming, wouldn't it? And, and they were to come before him, verse 2, come before his presence with singing. They were, this should be a call to the nations that they could come and worship. Because Israel was set to be an example of God, right? An example to everybody else, saying, come and be God's people. One other way to look at this, how about messianically? Looking ahead to the future. Not only, I'm even thinking future now, but it could even be the present from the cross till now. Because isn't the call to the nations to come and worship? Isn't the call actually that people will come? We're, we're testimonies of that, aren't we? I don't know if any of us are national Israel. Um, but we're coming and we're worshiping. And in the future, all will come. Every, every knee will bow down, every tongue confess. And, and the desire should be that all come before him. Verse 5, for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Shouldn't it be that all of these things are seen? That the nations see that God is good? That they see that his mercy or his steadfast love, translated differently there, and his truth or his faithfulness endures to all generations? That's what they should be seeing. So, I didn't really break this out into an outline form because it's kind of one outline. But, what does this then leave us with? One, if this is a call to the land of Israel, it means it's a call to us because we are now spiritually his people. Are we coming, making a joyful shout to the Lord, all you land? Are we, are we making a joyful... Maybe I'm not, and I'm not picking on the idea that we should be shouting. But the reality is, is that this call is to the nations, and we want them to do it, we should be doing it ourselves. If we're not doing it ourselves, why would they want any part of it? So how joyful is our singing? Not just in sound. You know, if I stop everybody on a Sunday and say... We need to be a little bit more into this for whatever reason. That's just how it sounds. The reality is I can't look into your heart and see how our heart is doing. But how joyful is our singing? Do we really come before his presence? It's easy to sing songs and not come before his presence. It's easy just to sing words. It's easy to participate in a congregational song. It's not really coming into his presence in and of itself, is it? 
The fact is, verse 3, knowing that he is God, it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. He's the creator. Do we really... We understand the theology of this. Do we really get it? We, we get the, and I've thrown it out there quite a bit of times, we get the Sunday school answer. We know who the creator is. Does it really impact us? Because <clears throat> then it says we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Being the sheep of his pasture, what does that make him? The good shepherd who laid his life down for the sheep. That, that should impact us. And then again, if we're entering his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Do we understand the goodness of God? Do we understand the love of God? Not just in a, like I said, a theological sense. We understand the, the book knowledge of that. We understand the practical nature of that. It's only then that the nations would see it and want a part of it. They're not going to see, do the nations really have time? Do the unsafe people around us really have time for insincerity? They don't. If we're not being sincere, why do they want a part of it? So I think the challenge for us <clears throat> is that one, we're taking this call to the nations and that we're being the call. We need to model who we want them to be. What we want to see them is making a joyful shout and singing to, the, to God. They should see that in us. And it should be real, not just formulaic or routine. So, not... not Many verses to, didn't take us long to cover five verses, but any other thoughts or comments on that? Hmm. Yeah, Psalm 100 is, is probably one of the most famous psalms. And I think you'll find there's probably even more than one song written to it. There's one more than one tune, if you will. So...